Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. How many feel good in God's house today? All right, we, we had a room full of people who were interested in going to the nations uh, this summer. We've got trips going to Scotland, Mexico, and Costa Rica, and a trip that's already closed out in, full, uh, in the fall going to Nepal. So we're hitting four nations by the end of the year. If you missed the meeting, it's not too late. Um, just get with Steve Bowen. Can you wave, Steve? Let's get with him uh, if you're interested. He and Michael will be leading the, the two trips, um, or two of the three. He's leading Scotland and Costa Rica, uh, likely, and then Mike is leading Mexico. Anyway, you need to fill out a form and get that interest in. It's going to be awesome. So I have a quick mission story for you, all right? Um, I love going to the nations. I love impacting lives and transforming uh, communities, atmospheres, and all that. My favorite one is my home and my marriage, just for the record. So uh, that's my first ministry, and it should be all of yours as well. So anyway, we, uh, we, we went to St. Lucia a couple of weeks ago, and uh, if you saw the beautiful pictures, if you're Facebook friends with us, you may have been fighting envy and jealousy just a little bit, all right? <laughs> Understandable. Uh, but my friend and also my boss, my assistant chief at the fire department, uh, he, he ended up going to Haiti for like 10 days before we went to St. Lucia. So there was about three weeks there that we didn't see each other. So when we get back, we're comparing pictures and sharing what each of us did, and it was, just, it was pretty fun. And he's showing me where he slept in Haiti. Now, they put a roof on a church and touched, you know, helped out and served at an orphanage. And, uh, you know, Nicole and I, we were mostly meeting with leaders, did a marriage night, did, did some things, and uh, had, had a lot of fun. We didn't get our hands all that dirty on this trip. Not opposed to it, but not on this trip. We, uh, we even had a surprise morning where their car was broke down, and we had a beach day. Like, we just walked and hiked down to the beach. So anyway, he's, he's giving me a hard time, and he's like, you know, Aaron, I slept where Jesus would have slept. I don't know what you're doing on your missions trips and all this stuff you got going on, but, you know, call it what you want. I think you just took a vacation. But I, I, I hung out, and I did what Jesus would have done. And he said this like three, four times. Finally, a big group of firemen are around, and, you know, they're kind of critical anyway. And uh, so Eric says it, and finally, it just is like light bulb, boom, went off. I said, listen, Eric, I said, Jesus was a servant and a king. You happened to do what he did as a servant, but I happened to sleep and do what he did as a king. You just need to get your upgrade. So anyway, it was real funny. But um, on our trips, there's usually a combination of both, serving, getting your hands dirty, serving those in need, and also um, just seeing God do his thing. And, and uh, we usually take a day at the end to kind of hang out, go to a pool or hit a hotel or something fun to unwind before we come back home to our families. So anyways, if you're interested, get with Steve. How many are ready for a good word? Okay, let me call Micah up and uh, he can help. All right. Let me, uh, let me get it here. So um, we, we opened the year up and we talked about like pressing into our breakthrough. And what, what does that mean? So to press into your breakthrough. What, what does that actually look like? And sometimes it looks really messy. And, and the reality is some t- somewhere uh, between brokenness or, or breaking and your breakthrough is a breakdown. You know, Joseph Garlington, uh, I had the opportunity to meet him this year. I'm going to quote him twice today. He says, some, you know, you're intended from faith to faith, glory to glory, upgrade to upgrade. But sometimes there's hell in the hallway. 
And sometimes there's this place of transition that's actually rough. Sometimes there's this place of transition that's not fun to go through. Sometimes in, in childbirth, there's this transition right before the baby crowns and is, and is pushed out. There's this place of childbirth that's called the transition, and it's painful, and it's hurtful, and it's, it's nasty. Right, ladies? I'm, I'm going from only an eyewitness experience. Can't tell you I felt that pain, except for my hand. Man, it was sore. So, but anyway, there's this, there's this place of transition. But then once that life is birthed, once you get to that breakthrough, it is so worth it. And let, let me just reiterate this, that, that even in that transition, even in that mess, even in that hell of a hallway, even in those places of, of brokenness and breakdowns and all of that, my, my life with Jesus in my mess is better than it ever was before Jesus was in my life. Like, I'm, I can go through a death. I can go through these things because why? Because Christ in me, the hope of glory. I have hope that it's still going to be okay. His grace is sufficient. Nicole was talking about grace and mercy. His grace is sufficient for everything, for all needs. So, so we come to this place of, like, what it looks like between these seasons. And I'm, I'm going to just go into to the, the story where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Because there is a place between declaration and demonstration called desperation. There's this place in that hallway of hell of desperation. It's a heart of desperation. Somewhere between us declaring what's going to happen, making these declarations, and somewhere between that and the demonstration of Lazarus raising from the dead, there's this heart of desperation. Yesterday I was listening to this song. Nicole would be so proud of me. She's doing the children's ministry today to fill in. But uh, she's her most favorite worship leader is Stephanie Gretzinger. She just loves her. And her new album, Blackout, I just think most of the songs all sound the same. All right? I'm just being a critic here. Uh, beautiful. You can tell it's divine. It's anointed. You can feel the presence of Jesus in it. But musically, they just sound a lot alike. So I went through three songs, and the intros were, like, all the same. And I was like, I can't hear a difference. But the Lord still spoke to me in the song that I said look, sounded like the other two. And there's this lyric, and it says this. It says that um, it's, it's the song called Sing My Way Back. It says, there's a garden in the ashes, there is beauty in the mess. If we embrace our imperfections, I know that love will do the rest. I'm just going to, I'm going to say that again. There's a garden in the ashes, there's beauty in the mess. If we embrace our imperfections, love will do the rest. How many know that God is love? Like, there's this place that we gave you, you know, even a couple months ago, a month ago when I preached, you know, we said it's okay to not be okay. We all want to act like, oh, it's okay, it's all right, everything's all right, I'm good, I'm good. I'm a pastor. I, I got a microphone every Sunday. I'm, I'm good. I'm all right. No, there's this place of actually admittance to know that I ain't got my junk together. Like there's this place of reality to where if I just actually confess and I'm just real and I can be real and authentic and genuine, I can sometimes admit that, yeah, my stuff isn't together. Like it's not perfect. Everything's not okay. Like I'm having a bad, bad day. I'm having a bad, bad day. I don't know the rest of the song. It's just on the, the dance thing that my kids have with we. But anyway, it's like it, sometimes we just need to admit it. Like there's some days I just wake up on the wrong side of the bed, right? Anybody else like this? Or is it just me? So anyway, there's this place of like there is, it's okay to have these emotions. It's okay to not be okay. And then we, we get to this, let's just go straight to the scripture. John 11 is where I'll be, 11, 1 through 44. I'm actually going to read, read the whole text. Remember this, if you're writing anything down today, that other stuff was just from a previous message, stepping into your breakthrough. 
But this one, if you're writing anything down today, remember this story and remember that somewhere between the declaration and the demonstration is a heart of desperation. That's the, that's the key here. All right, John 11 says this. It said, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped with her, with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Now, now I'm, I'm going to paint the picture here. He's just sick at this moment. They're sending a message. Hey, your friend, Lazarus, this was Jesus' best friend, right? His Lazarus is sick. So here's what Jesus says. But when Jesus heard about it, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. That's a declaration. This sickness will not end in death. Then he goes on to say, so although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Now, now this is just really interesting that we, when we pray and when we ask God for something, we want to see it now and we want to see it our way. We, we want it the now word. Now, now, Jesus said he only did what he saw his father doing. He only said what he saw his father saying. And remember that for later. But here, you know, Lazarus is sick. He's saying his sickness, there's a declaration, his sickness won't kill him. But then he stays for two days. And here's what happens. Jesus replied, there are 12 hours. But, oh, but the disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Isn't it amazing that Jesus works in parables and stories and everything? Like the light and the darkness? Another message. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. Now here's clarity. Sometimes we need clarity and direction in our situations from what Jesus is saying. Not from what our neighbor's saying, not what Facebook is saying, not what CNN or MSNBC is saying, but we need the clarity of Jesus in our circumstance. And he says, the disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. We can't sugarcoat diagnoses or situations. Don't say it's okay if it's not okay. Like, if we deny the diagnosis of cancer, we deny the need for a miracle. If we die, deny the, the issue of no finances in our bank account, we deny the need for a miracle of a financial blessing and outpouring of heaven. Like, if we deny the issue in our marriage and we just look past it and put wool over our eyes, we deny the room for the Lord to work and me to humble myself and actually man up and be a husband. So he told him plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. Why? Because it's going to be for his glory. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for how many days? Four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here. Again, if only you had been here, your friend Lazarus, my brother, would not have died. Listen, Jesus could have come before the two days and probably healed him before he died. 
But what did Jesus do? He stayed. Why? Because it's for the glory of him. And sometimes things just work out the way you don't think they will. But God, but God still got your back. But God still got your situation. He still got your circumstance. He still got your number. He numbered every hair on your head. Like your circumstance is not too great or too small for Jesus. But it's his timing. It's his way. It goes on to say, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Sometimes we just need to speak the declarations of God's promises, yes and amen. Your brother will rise, another declaration. Yes, Martha said, he will rise with everyone, when everyone rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will have life even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Now listen, this is, this is a history here. This is Martha and Mary and Lazarus. This is the friend of Jesus. These are the worshipers. These are the people that, that went to the feet of Jesus. And here's what happens again. In the time of need, in the time of emergency. Listen, her emergency didn't become Jesus' problem. He just became the solution. We want everybody in our life and, and, and everybody that's around us to drop everything they're doing for my little emergency. Jesus waited two more days. But it came down then to a heart of worship. Says, yes, Lord, she told him, I have always believed you were the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world for God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrives and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet. She fell at his feet. Now, one more time, she's defining the problem. She's telling the story. And one more time, she says, Jesus, if only you were here, my brother, your friend, would not have died. But she falls at his feet, knowing he's the solution, knowing he's the answer. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. Then they told him, Lord, come and see. Now, here, the shortest verse in the Bible. John 11.35, Jesus wept. Maybe it's the shortest verse in the Bible because he didn't stay there long. Or maybe it's the shortest verse in the Bible because it could be the most powerful verse in the Bible. Listen, I'm going to get there in a minute. But that Jesus wept comes from a Greek word that means he silently shed a tear. Listen, he wasn't angry anymore. His heart was moved. There is a difference between sympathy and compassion. Jesus was moved when he saw the multitudes in need he was moved with compassion. It says when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Sympathy will make you feel bad, but compassion will make you do something about it. Listen, he, he shed silently one tear. He wept. Jesus wept. This wasn't out of anger. The weeping wasn't out of anger. The tear wasn't out of anger. It was a heart of desperation. It was heartbreak. It was, it was something beyond what was just, just an emotion. It was something beyond just what you see coming down a face. It was something behind that called a heart of desperation. Here's what it says. It says, the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across to the entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus said. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protest, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell is going to be unbearable. But Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? 
So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said this. Now listen, he's only saying this so they understand what was happening. There was something deeper than that tear. Jesus wept was a tear of silence and intercession, deep crying out to deep. Psalms 42, 7, deep cries out to deep. And here's what he says. He says, didn't I tell you if you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. And then he says this, Father, thank you for hearing me. Listen, there was intercession going on in that journey from Lazarus being dead to him raising him from the dead. There was something going on. There was prayer. There was intercession. There was probably supplication. Listen, there was something beyond into a heartfelt desperation beyond just a tear. Somewhere between our declaration and our demonstration is this heart of desperation. Sometimes it might take us to weeping. Sometimes it might take us to crying out for something or for somebody or for a situation or an atmosphere. Sometimes, listen, our fight is not against the enemy. We, we, we want to compare him to God and we want to lift him up and elevate the enemy to, to some comparable and contestant to God. He is not comparable or, or some adversary to God. He's not even comparable to an angel. He doesn't even measure up to the level fighting with the angels. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. We want to humanize the enemy. It's against principalities, darkness, rulers of dark worlds. Listen, this is our, our fight. And it sometimes takes a heart of desperation to get us on our knees. Listen, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have a mom, a grandma, and a dad that was praying for me. I'm out partying and, and, and contemplating suicide and being an atheist and all this stuff. But I had somebody wailing on the ground, shedding tears that are breaking up the ground that I was very standing on. Listen, sometimes nestled between a declaration and a demonstration is a desperation that it only causes us to cry out. He says this. He said, you always hear me, but I said out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that you will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, arise. Whatever your version says, it's Lazarus, raised from the dead. Listen, sometimes we need to look the giant. We need to look the Goliaths in our life right in the face, square up on them and say, arise. Come to life. We need to look at our marriage, our children, our grandchildren, our, our career, our things, our stuff. You know, the stuff that we're journeying through. And we need to look at, square it up, get our slingshot, get our word, get our spirit of truth, right? Get our armor on and say, arise. Our situations aren't hopeless when Jesus is in the picture. They're not desolate. There might be desperation, but they're not desolate. They're not depressed. Listen, God is as far from depressed as you can get. He is heaven, he is love, and he is full of joy, and he's confident in your situation. He just might wait two days. He says, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in graves clothes, his face wrapped in headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Listen, sometimes even when the darkest situations come to light, even when the most ridiculous, you know, hell-bound people come to Jesus, they still need some help. They still need some guidance. I've seen homosexuals completely delivered and radically transformed by God's love, but they still need somebody to teach them how to be a man. We've had prostitutes, we've had drug addicts, drug dealers come through, through upper room and come to the church. They still need somebody to teach them how to love, how to be a man, how to function, right? Sometimes we just need to love on people. Sometimes we need to unwrap even the mess, even if it's going to get us dirty. And even if it, there was a smell of death on this man. He had been dead. Listen, the diagnosis was he is dead. 
He was dead for four days. It wasn't like, well, maybe they mistakenly, you know, just put him in there. No, they embalmed him. They wrapped him in the death clothes and cloths and the wraps, and he was dead and stinky. He probably needed a meal. He needed some fresh clothes. Sometimes it's just our job to love while God's already sorting the situation out. We want to intervene and do it our way. No, sometimes there's just the two days where we just wail and we weep and we intercede and we say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Listen, it's time that we step into some situations and get right in the middle of the mess. It just may not look like you giving somebody advice or telling them what's up. It might look like some tears. It might look like some weeping, some wailing on the ground and just going to intercession. Listen, North Korea and South Korea, this, this, this bridge of unity that's taking place in our history has been something in the making for decades. People have shed tears over this. People have wailed. We've made declarations, and there is a demonstration taking place right in front of us. Sometimes we need to get right in the middle of the mess with Russia and Syria and all these things, right? Sometimes we need to get in the mess of my kid's stuff. Sometimes we need to get in the mess of, of what's happening in my workplace or in my city. Sometimes I need to go down to the streets and just love on some homeless people. Sometimes I need to just get down in the mess and get my hands a little dirty and say, listen, I'm not too good for you. It just may not look like what we think it's going to look like. It might look like a season, a two-day season of prayer and intercession. Let, let, me, let me move on here. Wasn't that a great introduction? I'm just kidding. I'm like way past introduction. I just forsake, forsook all my notes. I just need a Kleenex. I came prepared for service. I had the Kleenex ready. That was good. Listen, Joseph Carlington says this. There's something about the power of intercession. He doesn't say that. He might, but that's not what I'm getting at. There's something about the power of intercession. Listen, you have the greatest intercessor intercessing on your behalf to the Father every day for eternity. And here, here's the beautiful thing about that. Here's the beautiful thing. In, in, in the gospel, he says that greater works you'll do than he did because he goes on your behalf to the Father. Now, now here's the cool thing. I had a grandfather who, who quit school in around, around the junior high to help care for his family. And then he began to teach himself through the encyclopedias. And I remember as a kid, I don't know if those were grandpa's sets or we had our own, but I remember like the two double rack encyclopedia, right? It's like this wide. Well, I was a kid, so maybe it was this wide. It felt like it was this wide. Right? And I remember looking at those things. They were kind of goldish yellow, you know, and, you know, each one about that thick from what I remember. And I'm, I'm looking. I was like, one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to memorize those. One day I'm going to read all of those. And I remember thinking how much information is in those, right? And you think about, it's like a dictionary. Each one's like a dictionary of, of words and so much, so much full packed full of stuff, right? But yet the Bible says Jesus did so much that not even a series of books can contain all of what he did. I'm looking at these encyclopedias. Now, Now listen, this is maybe equivalent to two encyclopedias. And I'm seeing two rows of these things. This is only a glimpse of what Jesus did while he was on the earth. And he says, it's a promise that he says, he will do greater works than he did. I had a friend last night sending me picture after picture after picture of gold teeth being put in people in his meeting. Gold teeth. I have nasty pictures of people's teeth. No joke. Look at that. It's a gold tooth filling. Look at that. 
gold tooth filling and two gold teeth. There's something happening right now up in, up in Amish country, a revival. Listen, I can't explain this. It's weird. I'd want to pluck those things out, cash them in, and get me some porcelains. God is doing something creative. It's signs that make you wonder. It's greater works. Gold teeth aren't in the Bible from what I read, but it's greater works. Catherine Toll was here in a meeting a couple years ago, and she had pins and, and, and screws whoa, in her feet. Now, here's the deal. She, we, one short prayer, all of a sudden she gets mobility back in her foot. She says she hasn't been able to dance for years, and she can feel where the screws are gone. That's not in the Bible, but that's greater works. Listen, your thing might look desolate. It might look depressed, but there is a heart of desperation. Jesus going on your behalf. Somebody else probably also going on your behalf. That, that family member you've not spoke to in years is now being reconciled to you through the Father. Those countries that are divided are coming together. There are things happening. There is a season here. We are in transition from, from brokenness to breakthrough. We are in transition from declaration to, to, to demonstration. There's something happening here. So we go on to, to see where uh, Hebrews 5, 7 through 8 says, While Jesus was here on the earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. How many knows that every promise to anybody in this Bible is a promise to us? This is yes and Amen. So through my loud cries and my prayers and my heart towards God and my tears, God will hear it. Listen, when you cry out, the Bible says God hears your cries. Joseph Garlington says this, says, worship brings things out of heaven, intercession secures them. Worship brings things out of heaven. Worship brings heaven to a reality here that we join the heavens in our worship to God out of revelation of who he is. We join him in an equal paradigm when we align in worship with heaven to bring heaven to a reality to earth. And then intercession is what secures it in as a lifestyle, as a way of life, as a promise. Worship brings things from heaven and intercession secures them. Let me, let me, let me go on here. Jesus wept. Listen, this, this comes from a, a word of just a, a gentle, soft, silent tear. All right? Romans 12, 15. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who are weeping. Listen, maybe it's the shortest verse in the Bible because he just didn't stay there long. But here's what these verses mean. I'm given permission to have the emotion that God gave me to have. I have a personality that's passionate, as you can tell. I have a personality that I go all in. If I'm in something, it's all in. When I go hunting, I'm like, I'm buying all the gear, buying everything. I, I wanted a turkey hunt once. And I'm like, well, I got to buy it all. I buy the calls. I buy the, the calls like this, the ones that go in your mouth. I'm at home practicing. I buy all the decoys. I buy new camo. I, I, I go all out. I make sure I got the right gun. I get all the right ammo. I go all in. Listen, I'm an all-in guy. And, and I have the permission to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, weeping with those who are weeping, and having the emotion in between. I never judge anybody's emotion at a funeral, wedding, or sporting event. And you'll have it all. In those three venues, you will have it all. And I never judge any of it. Why? Because I'm that passionate about sometimes. Anybody else ever yelled at a TV? <sighs> never thrown anything at it yet. Listen, Jesus got so mad once, he started flipping up tables because they turned the tabernacle into a flea market. He didn't cross over from unrighteous anger to sinning in his temper. 
in his hot-headedness and belittling people and yelling at people. He was frustrated at the situation. Listen, it's okay to get unrighteous anger. It's okay to feel heat. It's okay to feel passion. It's okay to have joy. It's okay to weep. Listen, we think we've got to have it upright. Oh, it's church. So we are singing about songs, about reckless love. What does reckless look like? We are singing songs about lifting our hands and dancing before the Lord and shouting. Our shout is a weapon. Our praise is a weapon. And I go to church after church after church, and I'm like, we are singing these songs, and I ain't seeing any hands go up. Like, I'm free. I'm free to be me because everybody else is taken. Only you have your DNA. This week I ordered the Ancestry DNA. I want to know where I'm from. Like, am I really Cherokee Indian? I'm going to find this out. I, I t- Walt had his done, and I'm, like we, our family was joking around. We're like, okay, we're going to send Robert's in. Robert, Robert, if his doesn't have Asian roots, then we in trouble. That thing's a scam. So we're going to send mine in. We're going to send Robert's in and make sure that there's, like, they are totally different. <laughs> Here's the deal. But you only have your DNA. Everybody else is taken. Like, you have to be you. <sighs> Let me, let me go on here. I'm getting off track. The band can come. Listen, Jesus wept from the heart. This was a heart of desperation. God, God this week has challenged, um, he has canceled the enemy's assignments on hearts the last couple weeks. We, we had Jay have a heart attack, uh, who's one of our beloved Servants, brothers, friends. He's the poet of Upper Room, right? And a songwriter. And uh, he just, he's amazing. And he had what they call the widow maker heart attack. It has that name for a reason. Tombstone T is what his EKG showed. Those are fitting words because they never survive. That same week, Sunday, we come here and Kathy McGraw's husband, uh, he, he, he had to have a defibrillator pacemaker put in on Sunday, just on Sunday. And, and, and Mike, he, he's recovering well. And then we had Tony Caffarelli. You know, they haven't been here lately because he's having heart issues. And, and, and this was a heart story. Like, like Mary and Martha are falling at his feet saying, if you were only here. Listen, this is his best friend. There is a heart. It's time you share your story. Only you have your story. You don't have to be the drug addict who ended up homeless. Like, you have your story. Your story outside, you know, coming out of an abusive relationship or through a divorce or, or these things. Your story of a healing. Your story of just being you. Your story of breaking from a generational curse of poverty into blessing is your story. Everybody has their own story, and they're all just as powerful as the other. Why? Because it's your story. This is a powerful story. I realized this week we had this story on hearts as these hearts were being attacked. Like, Nicole, we had a daughter, Olivia. Nicole posted about this. And I totally hijacked it. I stole it and posted the same thing. And so anyway, Olivia, when, when we were pregnant, when Nicole was pregnant for Olivia, I read a book once called I'm Pregnant Too. <laughs> so we were pregnant. She's not in here. I can say anything I want. So anyway, 20 weeks, you get an ultrasound, and we never found out the gender. We were very confident Olivia was going to be a boy. We were so excited for our second baby, you know, perfectly three years after our first. And uh, anyway, we go in for this 20-week ultrasound, and they look at it, and all of a sudden, things get quiet. Things, things get weird. And I'm a, I'm, I'm a paramedic. I know medical, and I know when things also don't feel right. 
all of a sudden a doctor comes in to our ultrasound. I'm like, all right, what's going on? And I just start to shoot straight, like, tell me, what's up? And uh, they said, well, um, we think your daughter has a condition called this. And I had no, I can't remember what it is today. And they're like, don't Google it. What's the first thing you do when you get home when they say don't Google it? Yeah, you don't Google that. You do Google that. I mean, I Googled the crap out of that. So, so anyway, they're like, it looks like there's a hole in her heart. That She has a hole in her heart. She has no skin. And she has no nervous system. This was the diagnosis. And that was, we just stood there at that moment and we declared, God is a God of life. He is not a God of death. Death, where is your sting? We printed out every verse we could on praise, every verse we found on healing, and we began to read that and declare that over the next two weeks. And we began to weep. We began to cry out with a heart of desperation. We go back two weeks later, and they come in, and everybody's already ready. The doctors are there, everybody, because at this point, you know, they don't know what they're going to need to do with the baby. And, and all of a sudden, they come in, they're like, faces start to change. And before they do the ultrasound, I was like, do you believe in God? They're like, Yeah. I was like, do you believe in miracles? Yeah. And I said, good. You're about to see one. And then she says, the ultrasound text, she says, what would you have done if I said I didn't believe, I didn't believe in miracles or God? I said, I'd still say you're about to see one. <laughs> so all of a sudden, they're, they're doing the ultrasound, and they're getting it all, you know, there. And they're like, all of a sudden, you see the emotions change. You see things change. And they said, wow, we don't know what happened. We were very certain. We have it all printed out here. We, we recorded it. We have it. And this is nothing like what we saw. You have nothing else to worry about. You have a perfectly healthy baby. Listen, between that declaration and that demonstration, there was desperation. There was two weeks of desperation. Listen, there's sometimes we just need to get in the middle of it, and we need to have a heart of desperation. Why don't you stand with me? I don't know what each of you are going through. I don't, I don't know what the future looks like for you. But I know this. God is a God that delivers. God is a God of demonstration. It could be physical that you're facing. It could be emotional that you're facing. It could be relational that you're facing. I don't know. But there comes a point in time between the declaration and the demonstration that there has to be some desperation. As, as hopeless as your situation might look, your intercession changes things. Listen, you can literally change the mind of God. Go mess with you some there. Moses, God was going to wipe out the Israelites. What's Moses do? He prays. He has a moment of heart desperation and changes the mind of God to save the Israelites. Listen, I'm not saying, I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a believer that God is the giver of death and God is the di- giver of this cancer. It, listen, if it don't come from heaven, it isn't from God. Quit blaming him. Like, so here's the deal. Like, there's this desperation moment right here. We're going to open all this up and, and I'm, we're going to give you five to, or minutes or so or however long you need to just, just be desperate before the Lord. Like, it's okay to be desperate before the Lord. Like there's some situations that might look desolate. They might look downright dead. There's nothing dead in Christ. The word just said that, the one we just read. There's this desperation. There's a call for weeping. There's a call for desperation. Let me just tell you that my transformation came through a physical encounter with God. I didn't believe in God, I didn't, I was going through this season of just like, just apathy and had no emotion, I hadn't cried in three to five years. Most of you know the story, but some in here may not. 
and, and my marriage, our marriage was facing divorce and we just, we didn't know where we were gonna go in life and I was just a hardened firefighter. And, and all of a sudden I just, I cried out. I was like, Lord, God, if you're real, if you're real, then prove it. I wanna cry. That's literally all I said. So when I get up here and you start seeing me get all worked up and crying, that's the presence of God filling me back up. That's the presence of God keeping my heart tender and reminding me that he is real in my life, that he is good. And there's sometimes where, where we just go, we, we reached a mountain in St. Lucia and we saw the city and we just hiked up this kind of trail and found this place and we saw the city just way down there. And we heard the cries of darkness. We heard the city life, we heard what was happening. And my wife and I, we just began to weep over a city. We began to change an atmosphere over a city. Sometimes you're weeping, your tears are seeds sown into a soil that's going to generate a demonstration. Sometimes your tears that are sown into the soil of a situation, an atmosphere, a ground, a people, sometimes that shifts something to where his people will cry out, Jesus is Lord. Listen, there's, this is for your kids. This is for your kids' kids. It's for you. We're just going to open this up and let the worship band play. And whatever you need to cry out for, whatever emotion you need to use, whatever, you know, again, I don't judge. Whatever you need to cry out for, yell for, laugh over, there's something sitting in between the declaration and the demonstration. And right now, it's the heart of desperation. We need to be desperate. You're welcome to come if you want. Yes, Jesus. to the good and those who love you and call according to your purpose. Nothing is impossible through you, Jesus. You can do all things through us that you strengthen us It's rising, it's rising up. 